In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you know how crowds can be. Sometimes they begin small. They grow rather quickly as people get word that there is a celebrity nearby. And people gather out of curiosity, mostly. Maybe the excitement grows, the numbers begin to grow. And then sometimes crowds can spontaneously, especially in San Francisco, develop into a parade. Or it could be a violent reaction to something. Um, We see political crowds that gather. We see crowds around celebrities. We see other reasons for crowds to gather. And it was that way with Jesus. He often gathered privately with people in their homes, but sometimes when he was out in public, people noticed him. And without even being invited, they would come and gather and see what was happening. Maybe they had heard about him. And really, maybe they were kind of clueless to what it might lead to if there was a destination or even a purpose. But they came just to see what would happen. So today's gospel reading doesn't tell us really what the people who gathered around Jesus were hoping for or what they expected. Maybe they didn't even know. But by this time in Jesus' ministry, his reputation was growing. They had seen him heal folks, feed crowds, teach beautifully, And I would guess that most of them just didn't want to miss the opportunity of being close to him. So they stayed with him. They gathered round, and maybe they even traveled with him from town to town, likely oblivious to what he was about to say to them. He said then, Do you people have any idea what you're getting in for? And chances are they did not. Whoever does not hate his father or mother, whoever does not carry a cross, and can you imagine how all of a sudden the crowd changed in that moment? All of that exhilaration dampened. All of that fun that people felt they were having, gone. In my mind, I can see people beginning to start peel away from the crowd. Maybe the outer edges first. Maybe there were some people right up close to Jesus who said, Really? This is ridiculous. I'm out of here. And they were so eager to distance themselves from these harsh words. And they are hard words. They're hard for us to listen to. You have to hate your family and take up a cross if you want to be a disciple. Interesting question for us. If you had been in that crowd, would you have stayed? Or would you have said, this is crazy, I'm out of here? We don't know how many left. We don't know how many stayed. Finally, someone important was asking them 
and requiring something of them, calling them to something beyond themselves. And I would like to think that you and I are the kind of people who would have leaned forward and said, you know, I think I'm up for this challenge, rather than retreating into the background in search of something easier. Years ago, I gathered with a group of clergy to hear a panel of experts, right, speak about the decline of numbers in our churches because, well, for the last 40 years, we've been talking about how churches are declining and particularly because we can't find ways to engage young people anymore like we used to do when we had Luther Leagues and Walther Leagues and other leagues. And the panelists in that meeting were okay. You know, they were doing their best to inspire us to do more with our young folks. But there was one panelist that stood out for me. He said, it's not entertainment, it's not food or drink or games or even that pal relationship with a youth leader that keeps the young folks in church. It's not movies. It's not the right kind of music or worship. It's not simply just a chance for kids to hang out with their friends. What inspires young people to follow after Jesus is this. He said, it's a clear call for them to make a difference in the world, for them, as young as they are, to matter in the world. He said it was important to give them an invitation to sacrifice of themselves for the greater good and to give them a sense that they can and they will and they must make a difference in the world. Challenge your young members, this panelist said, and they will surprise you with their commitment and their heart, with their ingenuity and their compassion for the sake of the gospel. Young people do not shy away from what is hard. They shy away from low expectations and mediocrity. But are there limits to what Jesus should ask of us to follow him? Are there limits to what we should ask of our youth or of others to follow the way of Christ? I mean, really, hate your father and mother? The word hate meant something different in Jesus' day. Nowadays, it's so connected to hate groups, or hate speech, or we know what emotions we would feel if someone came up to us and said, you know, I hate you. But that wasn't exactly what Jesus was saying here. He was saying, when I, he was saying hate means you distance yourself from, um, 
or you let go of something so that you can focus on what's important for you. So he was saying, unless you let go of your father and mother and make following me your highest priority, even above your own well-being and your own life, you can't fully be my disciple. Until you realize that this journey you are on will cost you something, and that maybe others will discredit you, that your entertainment or your success and your being liked are not the highest priority, um, you will not be able to follow me. And why is that? It's basically because Jesus' way is ultimately the way of confronting the powers in this world that foster injustice, inequity, oppression, racism, classism, and everything else that sets people at odds with each other and sets the world at odds with the reign of Christ or the things that God is calling us to work on. And I know that many of you already do a lot of that in your own work. Um, those who are lawyers and teachers and healthcare workers, you do that. You make the world a better place. And maybe Jesus is asking us to see what we do as vocation or to see what we do as carrying a cross and being a follower of Jesus Christ so that we can make more of a change and a difference in the world. Jesus is reminding us today that one cannot walk the path without planning for it as well. And that's what the examples of the builder and the king going to war are there for. Sometimes when Jesus calls us to something, it doesn't mean that in the next 15 minutes we're out there doing something. Maybe it takes some time. If you feel called to seminary, it takes a lot of planning. If you feel called to medical school, it takes a lot of planning. So maybe that's also part of the message today. Think about the cost of whatever it is that you feel God is calling you to do or calling you to grow in, and can you take on that burden and that sacrifice and that risk? So maybe the big question for us as a congregation as we're trying to figure out who we are and where we're going is this. Maybe the question is, do we ask enough of ourselves in terms of our own congregational life, in terms of our own service, our own work in the world? Do we ask enough of our new members coming in? Do we ask enough of our youth, our kids? Are we clear about what we expect from each other? The call today is a call to discipleship, to be a representative of Jesus Christ in the world so that others can see us and they're going to see something different in us from so many others. They're going to see the love of Christ in us and through us in how we treat others in the work 
that we choose to do, how we say things, how we respond to things. This is a call to discipleship. And the call is don't shy away from the cost of discipleship. Proclaim it. Rise to the challenge that Jesus lays before us. Pick up our cross and grab hold of the hard work of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in a world that isn't always ready to hear what we have to say or ready to receive those who say it. The cost can be great, but the benefits, I think, outweigh the cost. Amen.